the warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, my name's Rob. I work in Key Stage 2 in a school in Buckinghamshire, and I've taught all the way from Year 3 up to Year 6. Hi, I'm Helen. Um, I am also a teacher in Buckinghamshire, and I'm currently teaching Mixed Reception Year 1. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in history and geography with a retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's classic, The Little Mermaid. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Dancing Mermaid. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the magnificent Mario Coelho, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips there for telling the story yourself and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, including any extra lesson ideas that we don't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen Robb and the Young Mermaid. And just at the end of last week, Helen, you mentioned geography by name as we were going into looking at uh, the coral reef, was it? Yes. So With um, ages four to seven. So if you wouldn't mind um, telling us a little bit more about what you have to explore there. And so I've got a couple of related activities mm-hmm. for the earlier age range. And I was thinking about that kind of idea of the under the sea story setting and the undersea habitat as well. Um, I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to learn about um, coral reefs in particular because they're, they're so visually beautiful and uh, mm. a particular, a very particular habitat within the ocean. And I thought you could have a lovely time looking at coral reefs generally. So that's a bit of a science link, but then also learn about the Great Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. And then you've got loads of learning about where it is, Australia as a place to visit, the tourism around it, the creatures there, but also the threats to the reef. In sort of the modern world, I think we try and educate young children a lot about about how to look after the planet and the damage that's happening to our planet. Yeah. So I thought it would be a good t- opportunity to to explore that a bit about what's happening with the Great Barrier Reef and what's been done about it, you know, what's been put in place and get set the children up almost as a bit of a tourism team or an environmental team to come up mm. with ideas to help and to help tourists to look after the the habitat as well and the local people. And so that could, that could be idea. a whole, that could, it's one of those ideas that could be a lesson or it could mm-hmm. be a week worth of lessons or it could be a, a whole project on the Great Barrier Reef. So I think children would just be fascinated by it in terms of just visually. I mean, there's so much out there in terms of YouTube videos and National yeah. Geographic videos that the children, I think you'd have a lovely time exposing the and children. Finding Find, yeah. And Finding Nemo. And Finding Nemo, of course. How <laughs> could I forget Finding Nemo? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So you could that could become as big a project as as you like. You could do all sorts of artwork around it, um, lots of cross curricular things. But it's mainly a geography geography topic if we're going to put it into a hmm. into a subject. 
Yeah, but definitely bringing in some some literacy and and yeah. even some of the data collection that you were mentioning. Um, oh yes, for maths last that. week. There yeah. was plenty of that involved. Lots. There? So you could bring all the su- all the subjects into it, and I think the children Absolutely. would have a lovely time with that. As I think mm. I mentioned previously, any any sort of sea creature type project, children just love because it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. They every every child finds a creature to love <laughs> under the sea. Mm. And then this story also lent itself to learning about the names of the five oceans. Okay. I'm using a map, of course. I thought it would be really good (laughs) to imagine that the mermaid is just going on a journey around the oceans and a good opportunity to to learn and locate the five oceans. And again, you could take that as far as you like. You could just do one lesson or you could link it to literacy. You could do role work as the mermaid. Um, Or you could just simply do a lesson on Here's a map of the world. Mermaid's going for a journey. Where will you take her? And then the children are, mm. are looking at the names of the oceans and plotting her a route through them. And then maybe if you're going into year two, they can actually record that journey using the names of the oceans, actually writing down the names of the oceans to embed them a bit more deeply. Um, first, the mermaid travelled to. <laughs> mm. um, well, this could be her following the prince's boat. I mean, she, she oh, doesn't know go. that it's the prince's boat at that point of the story, but um, she could be just following the boat, couldn't she, um, as it travels from one part of the world to another? That is a good idea. I like that. So yeah, she's traveling around, she's having to follow, she's having to take note of the ocean she's in. Yeah. And which one it ends up in. <laughs> well, you'd hope that it ends up somewhere close to home. You'd hope you? so. Yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> it's a very long journey. <laughs> um, yeah, those are my two sort of little... Little, well, actually, they could be quite big geography projects. Yeah, for four to seven, the, the first of them. But even just protecting the ocean generally, yeah, mm. or, or protecting the oceans rather, not just the coral reef, but all of them. Well, there has been um, quite a, a moral purpose to Helen's geography, um, so we're expecting no less as we um, turn to Rob for the uh, history topic in uh, ages seven to eleven. How are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> have everybody saving the world um, using the power of history, Rob? Um, <laughs> I, I might struggle with that aspect. <laughs> no, um, I believe in you. Come I'm on, sure. Rob. I'm sure I can work it in. It wasn't in I'm my sure, initial I'm sure idea. You can, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my history idea was to think about about mermaids, mer people. What do we know mm. about them, and then why are they different? Why are representations different? Why have why are the popular images of mermaids different as well? We we mentioned the mermaids in Harry Potter, yes, and how they're yeah. completely different to the Disney version. And then how do they compare to the Hans Christian Andersen, the actual tale? If we can find pictures from original manuscripts or mm-hmm. transcripts of that, where do they come from? Helen, you said last week about the. Uh, I can't even remember where they were from, Assyria or somewhere, was it? Yes, the legend. Yeah. The one so, the one idea about the Assyrian Assyrian what, goddess. What, what was her name again? Axolotl. No. <laughs> <laughs> um the name was hang on, I've got it here, I can't At Atter Atagatis? Yeah, I wonder if her name is Agatis and that was just her Twitter handle that you yeah. found there. <laughs> her flipper handle, maybe. <laughs> Very good job. It is a really interesting topic to explore because uh, one of the, one of the interesting things about mermaids is that they are generally 
one of the villains of folklore that they're, they're usually mm. the bad guys you know luring sailors to their doom or um uh, dragging um people kicking and screaming in, to be, to be dashed against the rocks or even eaten in some cases it's it's only you know in the, the last century really that they've sort of been romanticized into being these objects of yeah. of, of affection i think we can probably credit hans christian anderson with that um okay. although the the myth that you picked out there helen would suggest that even from their their ancient greek origins there was some kind of recognition of them being beautiful in origin mm. in uh the odyssey there were some creatures that lured the sailors onto an island for a year or something sirens that's Sire- it. Yeah. yeah right because the the french word for a mermaid is sirene sirens oh, is it? on the end oh, yeah there you go there's also this is a program for their adults who are listening to watch on disney plus a program called siren a mm. series and it's about mermaids funnily enough in north america and they come on land and when they start attracting people and then they cause all kinds of problems and they're <laughs> angry with other people and it's I, I was watching it at home and we watched like the first bit i was like oh it's called siren i wonder if it's got any mermaids in it and it does. Uh, <laughs> it's set near the water. I was like, mm, "This is this is getting a bit fishy. This is there might be some <laughs> mermaids here." But yeah. So just how how has their perception changed? How has our perception of mermaids changed? Mm. Why has it changed? What has caused that? So what particular topic of history would this come under? So just it would kind of be. Uh, I mean, you could if you're going to link it to the Greeks, ancient Greeks mm. is a, an area for Upper Key Stage Two. So you could look at the similarities and differences. Would it be an opportunity to um, to look at historical, almost historical sources, you know, statements made by sailors, you know, mm. wi- witness, almost witness accounts made by sailors and that have s- supposedly seen mermaids um, and get yeah. children to look at them as sources and how reliable they are and whether there was more than one witness. And would that be an opportunity? Because I know there's um, part of history is looking at sources of information. There's definitely a story link there because it mentions in the story how it's the mermaid's lack of earth element that leaves sailors not quite sure whether they have actually Mm. seen something or not. So that could be an opportunity to say, well, let's look at the actual evidence and see see, see whether it is believable when they have spotted or think they've spotted a mermaid. I did something similar a few years ago with the Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) I gathered like witness... (laughs) <laughs> witness statements people that had thought they had seen or had seen who mm. knows the Loch Ness Monster and it was really the children found it really interesting to read read these statements yeah. and decide actually are they real are they reliable um yeah I think we're waiting for your opinion Rob <laughs> <laughs> it's your topic <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah I just when Helen said about using sources that came yes hmm using primary, secondary, all kinds of sources is a key part of the backbones of history rather than the here's all the facts, but how do we know that these things happened? And then also, mm. can we rely on these sources? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Sailor was had been drinking late at night and then he looked over the side and saw, yes, how reliable is that? <laughs> yeah. It's going to prompt a few extra discussions in yeah. your classroom. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't manage to save the world. 
Sorry. Well, I, I, I don't know. You know, uh, quite a lot of saving the world is, you know, thinking about the lessons we can learn from the past. And well, what, what, what do we learn from the history of mermaids? That you should um, be more open and accepting, I guess. If, you know, once upon a time, the, these were a creature that people didn't know much about. And so they were feared and they were reviled almost. And, and now... We we have Disney films about them. We're <laughs> accepting them more as a as a, as a culture. And so. Every other day, I get handed a picture of a mermaid that one of my children has drawn. <laughs> so they're very oh, much well, a part of our culture. Absolutely, <laughs> inclusivity. That that's there what you go. taught yeah. us today, Rob. Yes. <laughs> That's sadly all we have time for today, folks. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we've discussed in this podcast, so please find us on social media using at TeachHappily or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. You can also use social media to let us know if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover. We would love to help. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, the young mermaid will help us explore art. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon. soon.